Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 313 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's show is part two of a two-parter with Kenny Fox. Now, Kenny's name might not ring in your head like, oh, Kenny Fox. Is that like Michael Jordan for diabetes? Well, no. But what Kenny is, is a dad of a little girl who has type 1 diabetes, who really dug in to the DIY loop. And he understands it in a way that I find inspirational. Now, Kenny and I are going to walk step-by-step through every setting in the loop. Talk about it in kind of a big picture way. If you're not into a do-it-yourself algorithm for insulin pumping, I get that. You don't need to be. I'm not telling you to be. What I am saying is, listen to the episode anyway, because it's just another way of thinking about how insulin works. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, and Touched by Type 1. You can always go to touchbytype1.org, contournextone.com, or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more about the advertisers. There'll be a little more about them later in the show, but for now, I think we should get to it. We're going to start right at the top by saying, nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. And today, also remember that what we're talking about is an algorithm that Kenny and I downloaded from the internet. It doesn't belong to a company. It is completely do-it-yourself. It has not passed through the FDA. So understand that while we're talking. Now that aside, using the algorithm and watching the data come back from it and seeing how it reacts will absolutely supercharge your understanding of how insulin is working in your body. I'm telling you to watch a an app, a computer algorithm, decide about insulin. It just elevates your understanding. At least it did for me. It's taken me a while to figure looping out, and I'm probably not all the way there, but I'm getting closer. And I'm going to keep having these conversations with people who are ahead of me until we're all at the same level together. Luckily, I found Kenny. And Kenny understands looping. And that's why this episode is called Fox in the Loop House, Part 2. So insulin model, when you have yours even lower than mine is, what's the intention of making the insulin model a shorter time period? Um, so whenever I try to deal with loop, I'm doing my best to represent reality. So because I know that her insulin, her boluses and stuff with good basal only last four and a half hours. That's why it's four and a half hours. It's not just to get like a performance out of it. It's because I really think that the, that's how long the insulin lasts. Um, the rest of the model is a little interesting. If you see that top option is always that Walsh model. It's always got the line like higher than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what the pumps use. It, it's more like a, I don't know, like a straight line, steady decay of insulin where insulin's really kind of peaky, right? It, it's slow to start. It hits hard kind of around an hour-ish, hour and a half, and it stays strong for an hour or two, and then it kind of fades. And so um, these other models more more accurately represent like how much insulin is left 
because it's kind of more initially and then less later, um, where that Walsh model stays really high. And so that's why the, that's one reason even endocrinologists know that insulin lasts longer than three or two or three hours. They like to set people at like a three hour because for most of that curve, a three hour, four hour Walsh model will accurately represent how much insulin's on board until, of course, you get to the end when you say, hey, it's over after three hours and there's still two more hours left. And so then people are like, oh, well, why do it says no more insulin's on board? Why do they keep dropping? Why does my blood sugar keep dropping? Well, it's because there really is more insulin on board, but your pump is lying to you. So you either got to have your pump lying to you the whole time until the very end when zero is zero or um, and then you can kind of just round down or you set it shorter and then it's like kind of accurate most of the time. And then at the end, you still have insulin on board left for another hour or two. So it's a tricky thing. Is this a case of because insulin works in choppy like ways, Mm -hmm. not smooth ways that you're going to have to lie to yourself or lie to the pump or have the pump lie to you, however you want to think about it one way or the other. So let's lie on the more cautious side. Yeah, I think for a lot of endos, they use the insulin action time of three hours to give people permission to bolus when they're high. Like, hey, if it's close to zero, go ahead and correct, because after three hours, insulin's mostly done. Rather than tell people, hey, this is how long insulin lasts, and if you see this number round down. The better idea would be to use a better tool, but those are limited, right? You can use Night Scout, has a better like uh, insulin action calculator, mm-hmm. Xtrip, Spike, um, these other uh, open source apps, and Loop. Um, their insulin models they use for how insulin hits and decays is much more accurate than what comes standard in most pumps. Um, Whereas so it's just a matter of getting these tools. And what I would do prior to Loop is I just wouldn't pay any attention to insulin on board. Exactly, yeah. It becomes so inaccurate that you don't trust it anymore. So no one looks at it, which is what we'll talk about when we get to basal rates and stuff. Like That's that's the the piece people kind of ignore. They, they people look at it and go, "Oh wow, there's a lot of insulin on board when someone's falling," but then they don't really look at it other than that. <laughs> yeah, I I just think of it as I don't know, like it's like putting out a a, a brush fire to me. Like I've always got a charged hose ready, but I'm not always squirting it. I don't, I only <laughs> turn the water on when I see the flames, and so sure, yeah. like I just you know. I'm go. I put something out. I, I keep walking around. Ooh, there's more. There's more carbs. More. More insulin. Now stop again. It's just to me, diabetes is like a common sense. Like you can use insulin in a common sense way. It's when you get out of balance or out of rhythm that everything gets messed up, and then common sense doesn't seem to apply anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is why I always tell people like when you get when you start bouncing. The best thing to do is to get low, get down, get steady, and start over, because you're just you're trying to you're trying to grab sunlight. Otherwise, you, you know, what yeah. I mean? like it's just it, it becomes it just becomes an endeavor that doesn't make sense. Okay, um, Kenny. Also, by the way, at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to let people know this is an algorithm that you downloaded offline. It didn't come through a company. It has not been vetted <laughs> by anybody except the people who wrote it. Who, by the way, are really brilliant people, but are not the FDA, um, and that you're not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination, or am I? We have no not even background. close. Not even close, right? Um, and that none of this is advice. We're just talking through how we do it. People should, you know, definitely be precaut- you know, take precautions. Keep in mind that when I started the loop with my daughter, I had Jenny to talk to by text. I was able to reach out and speak to Katie. And had I not, I don't think I would have made it uh, two days. 
honestly, with it. Um, it, it was very, it's very frustrating to start yeah. too, or it could be scary depending on which which way you're coming from. Hundred um, percent. Okay, so what should we talk about next? Do you think basal rates? Well, real quick on the model. Only thing left is that mm-hmm. peak. You don't really see it much, but um, <clears throat> uh, it's mostly like supposed to represent when insulin is its strongest. Um, I use the adult one for my daughter, not the child one. So the child one has like a sixty-five minute insulin peaking and the adult one 75. I feel like a little over an hour is when I see insulin pulling her down the best. So I went ahead and did that. Um, You also see that if you extend the peak out and use the adult one instead of the kid one, you'll often get uh, larger initial bolus recommendations just because of the way the math works. So I use both a, a lower insulin action time and the adult, the peak that's a little higher. Um, A fun thing, if you want to test I kind of play with a shorter DIA uh, insulin action time without or peaks um, without, you know, really testing it like an open loop or with your PDM or whatever uh, is you can when you do the build and there's a, a screenshot in the loop docs on how to change the insulin action time and peak. Uh, Katie had a great suggestion. Just take one of the models you're not using. For example, we don't use Fiasp. So I took the settings for Fiasp and I changed it. So I just changed the peak to be what I wanted it to be, like matching the adult one, for example. And then I changed the insulin action time to, you know, the five hour one or the four and a half, whatever you're going to test. And that way, once you build your app, you can just switch between the models and like use them for what you want to use them for. So if you want to try a five hour insulin action time um, and then find it's like too much, it's too aggressive or whatever it is, then you can just go into the settings and just tap and use the different model. You don't have to go back and rebuild. Sometimes building causes a lot of stress for people. So if you can do it once, then you can just kind of toggle back and forth without having to do a new build. It's helpful. I guarantee you just spoke above most of the people's understanding. (laughs) Well, if they're getting into the loop customizations, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Basal rates is good. Yeah. Basal rates is the next place to go. Um, So you just said something, you know what? Maybe it's not. Maybe dosing strategy is the next place to go. So, Oh, that's a cool one, yeah. yeah and here's why. Not all of you who even download Loop are going to have this setting. So in very basic terms, someone has written a program. It's an app, right? And this app is an algorithm that takes the data from the Dexcom and sends it to your insulin pump and makes the, it, these insulin decisions happen around it. There are other people working on additions to the idea so there's sort of a basic one is that called the is that always dev is that the one that's being constantly being developed or am i speaking wrong here yeah you're right so the master one is the one that you know is should be the most stable it's kind of the one people would mostly download typically speaking dev is where all the is where some of the playing there's actually like kind of sort of a layer beyond that like a what they call might feature testing someone might build a little um, <clears throat> a little change they want to try. Right. And they'll build that. And then once they kind of test it, it looks good. Then they kind of put it into dev. And that's where all kind of the fun stuff, the new stuff comes together mm-hmm. and hangs out for a while while people use it and make sure that all those new features don't just work, but they work well together. Right. And then eventually that gets promoted up to master after it's um, everything looks good. Proven out. So the very first time someone mentioned to me, about an automatic bolusing. So right now, this 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 master branch of Loop does not does not give you boluses of insulin. It manipulates your basal rates to try mm-hmm. to, to try to get you to where it wants you to be. 
Um, but I was somewhere a number of months ago, and some guy says to me, yo, have you seen this auto-bullising you know, addition to the loop? And I said no, and he told me about it and helped me check it out. And I forget if it wasn't written by a man named Ivan, maybe? Ivan, yeah. Okay. And Ivan's was cool, and you could turn it off and turn it on, but the ways to make it work were a little too detail-oriented for me. So I was able to make it work pretty well. When there were carbs present in her body, it actually had a setting for, like, have this work while carbs are present or while carbs aren't present. And I couldn't make it work without carbs, and I and I could make it work with carbs. But when I tried to leave it on constantly overnight, her blood sugar would be, like, you know, 80, and all of a sudden it would, like, be giving her insulin. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's no good. So um, we got away from that when an auto branch showed up. Did Pete write it? Pete, yeah, Pete's kind of the main steward and developer of Loop, yeah. Right. So Pete wrote this one. I got to tell you, I've been using it for a while now. As a matter of fact, I got a note from Kenny, and Kenny's like, yo, you seen this developer, this uh, Autobolus brands from Pete? And I was like, already got it. And so... Yeah, um, you were ahead of it. I was surprised. That's right. That's right, Kenny. Sometimes sometimes I'm right out in the (laughs) forefront. I got the flag. I don't even have a sword. I'm just running ahead with the flag. Um, So... I'm the first guy to get shot, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to be. Shoot the guy with the flag first. So um, so anyway, uh, we're using that. And I have to say, it's pretty skippy. So it, am I understanding it right that when ens- insulin is pending or when the, you know, the loop is telling you, we think you're going to need another half of a unit soon, um, it will give you 40% of that guess yeah exactly so like the by default so instead of increasing basal rates it'll only decrease your basal rate it will never increase if you need more insulin instead of ramping up your temporary basal rate it will give you a bolus but then just for safety um there's a a, a number you can actually change it too in the code but it just uses 40 percent of whatever loop thinks you need mm-hmm. and it gives you that as a bolus in the next five minutes it'll give you another 40 percent of that so it kind of it slows down. So, I mean, in theory, if your insulin need was the same for, let's say, half an hour, because that's how long Loop kind of can can give you a basal rate for, mm-hmm. um, it would give you, it'd end up giving you less insulin over that half an hour because you'd never get to 100%, you know, 40%, 40%, 40%. Just gets smaller and smaller and smaller, but never really gets to zero. Right. Uh, but it gives you a lot more up front. So Pete did some cool math where it was basically saying that if you had consistent you know, insulin needs, and you're going to run a single basal rate, increased basal rate for half an hour, um, you're basically getting 17% of what Loop thinks you need every five minutes if you just held steady for that half hour. And then, but with the auto bolus, you're getting 40% of it kind of right away. So, you know, within the first 10 or 15 minutes, you're still way ahead in terms of like timing of the insulin. But after about 20 minutes, you're kind of about the same amount of insulin delivered. Unless you count the fact that we might change the basal rate every five minutes, in which case you go back to what I mentioned before, where it starts counting over again to re-deliver. So. Right. So using Arden's current situation, which, by the way, please believe me, no one's set up just because it works perfectly during Kenny's conversation of mine right now. Um, like, so I want you to know first, she comes out of gym, you know, uh, she's lost connection to her Dexcom. While she was disconnected, the loop had taken her basal away completely, so she didn't have any insulin um, coming in. And she gets back over, finds out, hey, my blood sugar is actually, you know, 60. I want you to know that we check that with a finger stick. 
So she whipped out the contour next one meter. She checked her blood sugar. She's definitely 60. Um, she feels fine. You know, I didn't share everything she said in the text. She's like, I don't feel dizzy. I feel 100% fine. She was, you know, 15 or 20 minutes before that, like in the like low 70s. Um, I know most of you are like, that kid just went to gym class with a 70 blood sugar. She did, <laughs> but it also is because I knew that for the time prior to that, she did not have a glut of even basal running because this um, 85 blood sugar that was trying to drift eventually to 60, which it did over a number of hours, Loop has been taking away basal for a while now. So I was pretty certain that even if she kind of got a little lower, it wasn't going to be a crashing low. It was just going to kind of like float down, mm-hmm. like that, which is exactly what happened, which is cool. But I just want to be clear. We, you know, I, I didn't <laughs> give my daughter seven units of insulin based on the hope that her CGM popped back on and was right, which by the way, it did pop on and it was right. She, it had her at 64. The, the meter had her at 60, you know, I'm, I'm, that makes me comfortable. I'd imagine the next reading drifted down to about 60 and then caught back up to the meter. Yeah. We're at 60 right now. Um, and, but here's the great thing. She's now been eating for quite some time. So just like we talked about earlier with the cereal, like where, you know, she looks like she's 85 or 90, but the cereal's in there. Clearly, she's going up because she's eating the cereal, but the glucose monitor has not adjusted out of it yet. Um, And we gave her some crushing amount of insulin, you know, for the cereal. Um, And it still didn't help, by the way. Arden's coming out of that cereal. She still at one point was 170, one arrow straight up. And the way we stopped that was by opening the loop and hitting her with a big bolus of like three more units. She eventually had 13 units for that cereal, which ironically is how much I would have given her without loop. And I don't know why I didn't just do that. It was because <laughs> it was because I wasn't with her and nobody was around, but we stopped that cereal spike at like 185, 200 in that space. It, nice. it leveled out. And as soon as it started to come back down again, we closed the loop right back up so that the loop could start taking away basil because those three units were too much. They were enough to stop the spike but they weren't going to be needed moving forward. And because Arden's basal rate's like 2.5 an hour, I just basically, I threw in an hour's worth of basal to stop the spike and then took away an hour's worth of basal and let that three units act as the basal. Does that mean we do something very similar um, when I see a spike like that? I just don't bother to open loop because one, I can't do that from the watch. I'm not going to bother my six year old to say, come over here, let me have your phone. And then I'll do that. But also I know exactly what you said, which is that what I'm giving ultimately is probably too much unless it's, unless I miscounted the carbs. So that's one of those situations where it's like, well, if I miscounted the carbs then I'll go in and edit or add a carb entry kind of back in the past to kind of stack on top of the meal. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, but even before I can even figure that out, it's just a big bolus. So you just need to stop the arrow, give her the big bolus, let loop cut basil. I don't care if it cuts basil or not. Um, and if I think I miscounted the carbs, then I go back and I add carbs. If I didn't miscount the carbs and it was just a missed pre-bolus or whatever, missed timing, then I just let loop cut the basil because for the same reason, she's going to go low eventually if it doesn't. So I just let it do it. That may mean you get a couple more ticks up um, versus uh, open looping, but I just, I let it ride. I just give a, a big enough bolus to stop it in its tracks and then let loop cut basil and hopefully land safer or safe safely or safer than she would have otherwise. Yeah. I've, I've done that too. I don't, it's funny, isn't it? Like what you just said makes complete sense to me, but I would have been uncomfortable giving her five units to stop a 180 going up. Even yeah. though, even though I, I think you're not wrong, I think it probably would have gone the same way. 
So I'll have to try one day. Like I just like having the basil back there. Oh, it's it definitely yeah. helps. Yeah, it makes yeah. it makes a difference. So um, so now right now at this meal, we've put in seven units for what I'm guessing is like eighty carbs. But at Arden's ratio, she needs more than that. She needs more than that. Now I'm going to tell you right now. I've seen it work enough times. Going back to Pete's auto bolus uh, dosing strategy to tell you that if we don't do anything else, that auto bolus is not going to let her go over about 170. That that's what I know is going to happen based on what because I've watched I've let the auto bolus do its thing a number of times so I could watch it. And so if there's a if there's a reasonable pre bolus or you're starting with a lower number like this, it's going to stop her up in there and it'll get her back down again. But the truth is, is that as soon as Arden's blood sugar adjusts in a way that makes me comfortable that we're seeing some sort of upward mo- you know, movement in her blood sugar, I'm going to ask her if she fi- finished all of her food. And if she did, then she's going to put in probably three more units on her own. Put in the rest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so um, it works. And I don't know, because the technical side of it is lost to me, I don't know the changes that they've made in the basic master you know, version of this since we first started. But when we first started this, I think I've updated the master, you know, loop maybe once or twice in the last nine months. The first two goes of it that I was using were really night and day, not nearly as good as what this is. Yeah. Yeah. The big, big one was how, um, how loop assumed that the Omnipod was delivering, um, those basal rates, how it calculated when to start and stop its delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the big thing that was off a lot of the Medtronic pumps that had been used before. They, instead of, they just do it differently. They start, they restart the counter, but then they start a little sooner, um, without getting the details. They start sooner than like the Omnipod and a couple other of the Medtronic pumps. So that, and I think they sort of knew about it, um, but didn't think it was that big of a difference in the amount of insulin delivered and how much difference it would make. But, uh, with, especially with, Littler kids like us, um, it made a huge difference. It would say that she'd have a, a larger percentage of insulin on board than than she really did because it thought it delivered insulin and and it didn't. Um, so that that was probably the first big change. And the second big change was uh, the carb model. How Loop expected the impact of carbs to hit. It thought it would be kind of steady, like all those eighty carbs would hit evenly, evenly raise the blood sugar across those two or three hours right. instead of like more accurately modeling that most food hits faster sooner and then it kind of steadily goes down. And so those were the two like significant changes that you probably experienced and I did too, that sort of made me start to trust the system a little bit more. Right. So let's jump to basal rate. Let me ask you first, <clears throat> you heard me break Arden's bolus into two different um, decision-making entries. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually it's one. It, so she makes an entry so she said whatever it was, if it was 35 units, two hours, it mm-hmm. it says to her however much it thinks she should have. I always tell her just choose zero and enter it, then Skip go back it, yeah. and put in the next one. Then it, it bundles them all together for the next one so that you mm-hmm. don't have to watch insulin so that it doesn't deliver the first few units of insulin for the two-hour model. And then you have to sit and wait for the to do that. So instead, you deliver nothing on the two-hour or whatever the first time mm-hmm. clock is you're thinking. And it all delivered on the second go-round. But I do that so that Loop has a better understanding of exactly what you just said. Some of these carbs are going to hit faster. Some of them are going to stay with her longer. And that used to 
keep the basil from going away. And it still would if I didn't have the dosing strategy of autobolus on. But mm-hmm. Because I have autobolus on, it's now taken her basil away, but it's going to try to come back with bolus if it needs it. Whereas if we didn't have autobolus on, that thing I just did with a two-hour and three-hour would have tricked the loop into keeping the basil on. Yeah, so like that three-hour, what people find with those carbs is that um, if you put a longer absorption time, mm-hmm. the the initial impact is less, so you, you get less insulin recommended up front typically you'll get the most insulin recommended up front on a two hour but on a three hour let's say it's going to last longer and it's going to the carbs have a a chance of outlasting sort of the peakiness of the insulin and loop knows that so that it will offer more insulin later to kind of help compensate for that so sometimes when people find themselves kind of high at the end of a meal it may not be because there wasn't enough insulin. It may just be that you needed more insulin, but you needed it a little bit later. And you just need to tell Loop, hey, this food actually is lasting longer than I thought. And it will often recommend another bolus once you you know, modify that absorption time in the past. Like, oh, this I thought it was two hours. It's probably more like three. You change it, it'll probably give you a bolus recommendation in most cases. So, um, But doing the, like representing the food properly is 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 important and it's kind of a, a new thing I had to learn with loop is like, I don't know how long does something take to eat night last in your system. So no, I know it's uh it's interesting. I just, I kind of blank it do two and three hours and it works every once in a while. If it's something like rice, like with a, a Chinese food, I might do two, mm-hmm. and, I might do two and four hours, but it's, you know, it's not always perfect. Again, I want, no. I want everyone to keep in mind that Arden's A1C does not come from an 85 line that never moves. Like to be perfectly honest, like, because she was sleeping in and you know, it all, you know, it all went well for me this weekend, but that's not normally what her, <laughs> that's not normally what her blood yeah. sugar looks like for eight hours, you know? And I think that's part of the secret sauce or magic sauce of like a control IQ or some of these other algorithms is they, you just enter carbs and you don't talk about absorption time, even like open APS and other uh, systems that have other algorithms. They tend to handle the dynamic carb things looks like a little bit better. You don't have to worry about how long the food is necessarily. Um, I think that's, that's pretty magical, but loop is, um, lets you kind of see all the pieces. Like it helps you understand like biologically what's happening. Um, I think that that's really why I'm telling people about, I always talk about glycemic index and glycemic load with people. I'm like, you really need to understand the impact of the food. You know, it's how, how, how hard is it hitting? How long is it hitting? How long can it go? You know what I mean? Like, is this a, is this a food that can only make it two rounds or is it going to go the full, you know, is it going to go the full way? Um, is it going to crush you? Is it going to come out like Conor McGregor and just like jump through the air and, you know, jam its face into yours? Or or is it going to go a little slower and, you know, start more of a, a seductive dance with you before it starts to pummel you? Uh, yeah, like you know? juice or candy or glucose tabs. Like I enter those as 30 minute absorptions. I mean, they're probably more like an hour, but I do it as 30 so that loop doesn't try to overcorrect those. Um, but I mean, generally speaking, like juice is kind of a hit quick and go away fast. You don't want to put a, if I introduce as a two hour and she's just having it just for fun or having grapes by themselves and that's it. Yeah. Um, they don't last two plus hours and loop will end up making her go low kind of later. Um, when, you know, cause it's, it just thinks the carbs are going to last longer and they don't. So let's talk about the basal rates then. And I guess we have to talk about them in two different ways. Like, do if you're using a, an auto bolus pizza auto <clears throat> load, and if you're not, so if all right, I don't know though. It's funny. 
I haven't. No, changed, basal rates yeah. are just basal. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I haven't changed Arden's basal rate since we went to the auto mode. The only thing to, to understand is that is is how it makes up for stuff. It doesn't make up for basal anymore. With yeah. basal anymore. Um, so I think this is where this is where I think I, this is where I start with most people that I end up helping out is a uh, basal. You know, is like what your body needs. I mean, you and Jenny have talked about that mm-hmm. uh, multiple times. So it's like if you didn't eat or run around or whatever and just kind of fasted all day and watch TV or something, you should be able to stay flat. Um, same with overnight. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of the goal with basal. And so, but what I've found, and I'll get into like how you track it here in a second, but what I've found is most people have um, like one basal rate, maybe a couple, but you know, if you start with one, you end up able to see when those other changes show up. Um, and I came to this just because on shots, Tessa was level that the basal rate and the insulin on board calculation worked all day, every day at any time, um, day or night. It would always end up zero, ended up being zero. When she had no insulin on board, it was everything was done. So I just came from the mindset that she only had one basal rate. But um, then I got the pump and started playing with it, and it just would mess up the math for tracking how long the insulin was working. So I just kind of stuck with one, but I found that with other people, it works pretty well too. You just pick one and then you can kind of see if you need another one, but uh, you start with one. I guess I just heard the other day that um, the sugar surfing guy, Dr. Ponder, I think sort of thinks the same thing. And what I think actually changes throughout the day, which we'll get to in a minute is sensitivity, not basal. But when in a world of dumb pumps, all you have for automation is basal rate changes. So I think people are in one sense programmed to think, oh, it's probably basal. But really what I think doctors and people are compensating for with basal rates is often sensitivity changes, not uh, basal. But yeah, so basal is is what it's supposed to be. But Loop sees basal as neutral, as free insulin, as zero. It doesn't track it. It trusts that you said, hey, I need this much insulin kind of as a baseline for my body. And so it doesn't really keep track of that. So if you have basal too high, um, you may end up with the insulin on board number may show that you have zero or maybe even a negative number. Mm-hmm. And really you're falling. You actually have more insulin in your body than loop is aware of. But um, because it trusted you, it said, hey, you said you needed this much insulin all day. So like that's that's what I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. So when you do an override and you increase those basals, it also can kind of complicate that calculation. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of the main thing is is basil's free, so you don't really track it. So what I do to to test basil with closed loop, I find this works with like the tandem system as well, is um, you can test basil without testing basil in a closed loop, and it's pretty awesome because you can look at that insulin on board calculation, you know, assuming that insulin action time is reasonable, and I think six is a fine place to start, six hours. But if you look at the insulin on board overnight, you should get to kind of a where you want to be in that correction range we talked about. And IOB needs to be pretty close to zero and flat. If IOB is not zero, meaning like just basal is all you have running at night and you should be flat. If it's not zero, then something's wrong with your basal. If you're constantly have positive insulin on board, like a, a bigger number more than zero, mm-hmm. then uh, your basal is probably too light because the loop is constantly having to add more insulin to kind of push you down into your range. Even if you're, especially if you're above the range you want to be, um, Insulin on board that's a positive number, especially at night, should always mean you should be falling. But if you're not, then something's not, loop doesn't know what it should know. And then the weird one that really throws people off is the negative insulin on board. When you see a negative number in there, mm-hmm. 
negative is is a deficiency of insulin. You and Jenny have talked about that a little bit before, where if you turn your, let's say your level when you wake up at 80, but someone wants to be at 100 when they bolus, they could turn their pump off. They could do a zero basal rate for a little while and you'll drift up. Um, that just means your body has less insulin than it really needs to, to hold you level. And that's that's on purpose. So negative insulin isn't a bad thing. But when you see negative insulin on board, you should always see, you know, giving some room for sensor lag. You should see either right away or pretty close. Blood sugar reading should start going up when you see a negative insulin on board situation. If it's not going up when it's negative, then you're not representing the insulin properly in the body and loop's gonna loop thinks you need more insulin and you don't. So what happens all oftentimes is people are falling, their blood sugar's falling and there's negative insulin on board. It means their basals are too strong. So as soon as you start curving up, let's say you treat a low, um, loop's like, Oh yeah, I expected you to come up, not knowing that you actually gave carbs. Right. Um, and so it's gonna try and fill in that negative. Because what should work in the situation I talked about where you are turning your pump off before breakfast you actually can't just turn your basal back on. Otherwise, you'll still keep drifting up because your body's missing the insulin it needs to kind of maintain that balance. So loop tracks that negative amount, how much you're missing, and it's going to fill it in for you um, to try to level you out and then also correct for any you know upward momentum. So uh, what ends up happening is you end up getting slammed back down because um, you have too high of a basal. You have negative insulin on board and you're falling, and then you correct but don't tell loop about it. And then it's, oh, good, you're coming back up. Let me give you more to level you out. And it ends up pushing you back down again. So you end up in this cycle overnight where you're constantly trying to bring someone up and loops pushing them back down because it thinks you're missing insulin, but you're really not. And that's what that negative insulin on board will tell you. And so you have to adjust your basal so that insulin on board is zero. Zero means level. Negative means up. And positive means down, obviously, without food. Yeah. Um and that will tell you. So you can kind of scan your day and look for points in time where loop thinks you're kind of around zero and see what the behavior is of your blood sugar. Right. And then you can know if your basal is too high or too low. Um, and starting with a single basal rate will help with that because the insulin runs for four, five, six hours. So if you have a really high basal rate to catch a nighttime rise, like most kids do, and then you cut it back later, the insulin that you gave is still running, you know, until four or five in the morning. And it's, you're still going to end up with this like negative IOB and falling kind of situation. Um, and it's not the, not because your, your little basal rates during those AM hours are, are too heavy. It's because the heavier one you ran from like 10 to midnight was probably a little bit too strong and it's just causing an impact later on in the night. That was a lot, but hopefully no, that makes sense. No, it does. And and I think it's important for people to understand the idea of like sensor like the CGM is reporting behind time a little bit. A like, little, yeah. yeah. So uh, by way of an example, because you spoke there for a few minutes, when you began speaking, Arden's um, Dexcom was telling me her blood sugar was 58, but it's not because she's had food in her for 35 minutes, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm not panicking. It's a state, even if it's, it's not 58. Let me jump to the end of the story, but it, it was stable. You know what I mean? So I know this food is now going to do what I expect it to do, right? Like trust what you know is going to happen. It's going to happen. This food went into her. It's going to start impacting her. As you were speaking, the Dexcom flipped over to 66. So obviously her blood sugar didn't magically go from 58 to 66 in five minutes. It had been trending up 
like you said, it's now gotten two reports in a row to its to the Dexcom's algorithm has now gotten two reports in a row that it believes. So now it's going to start reporting it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so as soon as that happened, it took a little bit more time for Night Scout to know it. So I can kind of see it on a on a different screen because I'm watching everything while we're talking for this explanation. As soon as Night Scout knew her blood sugar was 66, it put her basal right back on again. Like immediately. And, yeah, right where it should be. Right. And now in truth, this is the moment we should be bolusing that other insulin right now. Whatever more insulin I believe she needs for her food, this is the time to put it in. Probably sooner even. But now for I can be certain with the data I have backed it, now is the time. But we're going to let it go for a little bit just to see... The, see what Loop does. Yeah, to let let it see what Loop does. <laughs> now, if she jumps from sixty six to ninety next time or something like that, I'm bolusing right away. Oh yeah, maybe but, even a little bit extra. Right, but if she just drifts a little bit here, I'm going to be interested to see because the auto bolus is going to kick in because we only use seven units for something we told her uh, that we told the Loop, and the Loop believes needs ten units. What's your suspend setup? Sixty. 60. Okay. Yeah. So it will, it could even start giving, that's why it turned the basil back on. Right, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to have it at 55, but I, she was getting low too much when it was at 55. Where's yours? Uh, 70. Okay. Yeah. 70 because again, basil and carb ratios are locked in. So the basil is the big one. Um, and you got to make sure you, you believe that loop will drop you. The other big one will be sensitivity we get to, but yeah, they, if you're, if you're not getting down where you want it to be, then I, a lot of people will drop their suspend lower. And I think 60 or 65 is, is fine for the most part, but I find if I'm trying to push that kind of 80 overnight, um, and loop my overcorrect a little, and then I get woken up at uh, my 70 alarm. So, um, I just put the suspend a little higher so that mostly so I don't get woken up as often. I believe that I listen, I believe in our basal rates really well. Like Arden got up this morning, six 30. She didn't eat anything until, you know, just now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you know, she got down to 60 with Jim. So I believe in our basal rates. Um, Perfect. Yeah. And overnight she's, it's gorgeous overnight. So, and I think what's nice about loop and that neutrally makes us all nice for people and talk about having tools is you have an insulin on board calculator right there. So you can see in night scout, especially, but you can see it on your phone too. It's called active insulin in the loop app is you can objectively measure your basal rates, which is nice. It's not just like, well, I think it's fine. It's you can at any point in the day, if you see zero and she's not level, then you can kind of question whether or not the basal is right. And I think the other fun thing that comes into play is the idea of school for a lot of kids, maybe makes them go up oftentimes, like stress or something, maybe work for some people. Um, once you, I'd like to try to tell people, get your basal rate, like create a baseline is what I like to say, mm-hmm. for like weekends and not school, not work. Um, so you know what normal life is so that you don't have to worry about crushing someone, you know, on a weekday if you can avoid it. And then you play with overrides. The override feature increases your basal rate or decreases it, however you set it, um, and use overrides for school and work. That way, um, you can, if you feel like maybe you're not as stressed at school or at work one day and you don't end up needing it, you can just simply cancel the override right. and kind of go about your day and be fine. But if you need it, then it's there to use it and you don't have to keep fiddling with your settings every Sunday night or Friday night, right. um, things like that. All right, Kenny, let's jump ahead here. So um, to insulin sensitivity. Now, it's, yeah. it's funny. Insulin sensitivity is wildly different for so many, you know, for everybody, right? Arden's during the day is 59. And overnight, it's more like 64. 
but I've spoken mm. to people who have their sensitivity, like, you know, it's 120. And so can you, I'll tell you how I think of insulin sensitivity and then please you tell me how you think of it and, you know, et cetera. Okay. In my mind's eye, it's just sort of the amount of insulin it takes to impact me. You know what I mean? Like, just like this, what, what's going to knock me over? Like, you know, you can give me 59 and 59 will do what it's supposed to do. But if it was at 65, 65 wouldn't do it. 65 would be like getting shoved by a six-year-old. But 59's, you know, like me pushing against somebody who's my, my weight. Like it's, it's the, mm -hmm. and, and I know this is, it's not, it's not clear because I'm never clear on insulin sensitivity. Like, it, you know, I'm sure there's a really technical way to say it. I'm sure you're going to say it in a second. But I find a lot of people get confused by it, and, and no more so than the idea that a lower number is more powerful. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah right? that's so, weird, right? So a lower number—it's a very basic mathematical idea, but still, a lower number is more powerful. So, my daughter, five seven, hundred and thirty some pounds, insulin sensitivity fifty nine during the day. Your daughter, you know, much less, uh, uh, you know, weight. I would imagine. What's hers at? Uh, so she's, her sensitivity during the day is about 200 and I, w I would probably say realistically, it's probably about 225 to 50. So it's probably more sensitive, but I've loop dialed it down just a hair cause to make it behave a little more the way I'd like. Uh, I use that as kind of a, an aggressiveness number to some degree, right. um, to make loop act a little bit faster than maybe it would normally, um, without causing so much of a low. Yeah. So sensitivity is. Yeah, it's how much insulin it takes to move you a certain amount of points, uh, your your blood sugar. So how much insulin it takes to move you. So yeah, I think it's it's that's a good way to to look at it. Okay. Um, so how do so I guess the next question is, and I want to talk about overrides more specifically. But the next question is this: Once I found we had Arden's settings close in loop, then I began to adjust them, sort of like an equalizer on a 1991 <laughs> rack system. Okay. Like, I'm like, I don't know what treble 0.09 is, but what happens if I push it up a little bit? You exactly. Know, like, yeah. like, right. Or what happens if I push this down a little bit like that? I, I, once I was close, then I could start fine tuning without knowledge. Then I could start going correction range. Let me try 87 instead of 85. Ooh, that was better. Um, you know, ooh, you know, basal rate. I wonder what 2.3 does versus 2.2, that kind of stuff. But starting out, you cannot adjust loop to ear. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, you have to start somewhere near. Near good. Somewhere near good, right? And so my question is, do you know, if I came to you today and I was just like guy on the street and I said, Kenny, hey, I really want this to work for my daughter. Um, do, do you know how to help somebody set this up? Like, do you know how to go from scratch? Quick hitting ads today. The Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You want to check it out. It's at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Type that into your browser right now. If you're, you know, not good at typing, click on the link in your show notes. It's right there in your podcast player. There's notes in your podcast player. Just find them and click. Last thing you could do is go to juiceboxpodcast.com and click from there. All of these options are viable ways to get to the sponsors. While you're there, check out the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Go to ContourNextOne.com. There's a little button at the top. You can find out if you are eligible for an absolutely free meter. This meter is by far the most accurate one that my daughter has ever used. 
in her entire time with type 1 diabetes. Lastly, if you'd like to see some lovely people doing wonderful things for people living with type 1 diabetes, check out touchedbytype1.org. I'm doing you a favor. I'm shortening up all the ads today. You can do me a favor and click on the links. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Contournext1.com. Touchedbytype1.org. That's all I'm asking today. No big sell. Just go check them out. Look, I'm done before the music. It's like you owe me almost. Now there's so much time left, it's kind of weird, right? Touchedbytype1.org helps people living with type 1 diabetes. Amazing organization. Contour Next One, best blood glucose meter I've ever seen. Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, game-changing technology for type 1 diabetes. There, I said I wasn't going to say anymore, but it was just weird. Do you know how to help somebody set this up? Like, do you know how to go from yeah. scratch? For Yeah, so it, it took a while. Sensitivity was a weird one to wrap my head around, too. So um, the, my process is uh, look at basal rate so track iob i go back to someone's graph if they've been running it for a little while um it helps uh i find closed loop is helpful more helpful than than open it'd be a little harder to see it on a normal graph but you could still probably get close but i like to find how you know the neg- make sure that negative means up and positive means down and that they're kind of at their range where they're supposed to be especially overnight and then we just try to find what i call like that one magic basal rate and we pick one that works mostly overnight is the easiest way to observe it. Run that one all day and then um, make adjustments from there. We do carb ratios and sensitivity. Sensitivity, I mean, it's so hard to like really, I'm not going to stop my six-year-old and do an, a sensitivity test. That's even longer than a basal test. So um, I once we get overnight solid, IOB zero means flat, everything's dialed in. I just tell people, hey, turn your sensitivity more aggressive to a stronger or a lower number um, until you start to see that line that's fairly flat for you start to wiggle, start to go up and down and go above your, the range you set and below the range you set. You got to make sure it also goes below. If it doesn't go below, then it's um, you might still not have a strong enough basal. But basically turn the sensitivity too strong to where you can see that it's obviously too strong and then kind of back it off a little bit. And that's kind of what I use for daytime ISF because I find that people are more sensitive during the day than they are at night so you find what works overnight make it too strong and back it off a notch Mm -hmm. and the reason why people are more sensitive during the day i think is because growth hormones exist kind of overnight for everybody me included um where in growth hormones i was reading some studies on this trying to figure out why this rise at night happens for my daughter that just kills me um so what, what I said earlier is that no matter how much I bolus her during those rises is IOB of zero was still zero. So the insulin action time worked well. That seemed to indicate to me that she actually only had one basal rate during that it's crazy intense rise period. So what I found is growth hormones don't make you go up necessarily, but they do make you more resistant sensitivity. Um, but that means something else must also be pushing you up, which I've kind of found a correlation between how close dinner is to sleep or how heavy dinner is to sleep. Um, And so it's probably just this weird digestion process you have when you're sleeping that stretches out how long the carbs last. And the carbs kind of have a more of an impact because all these growth hormones release during your REM sleep cycles, during the early hours of sleep. Um, And so you have more growth hormone in your system at the beginning. 
So there's just more resistance there. So the only way to really model that and loop is to make the sensitivity lower, a lower number in those first hours of sleep. And then I sort of like ladder it um, softer and softer or a higher number as the night goes on to sort of mimic the idea that there'll be less growth hormone in the in the body. And so I might start with like a 200 during the day and go all the way down to like an 80, which is less than half of what her sensitivity is, um, you know, at like 9 or 10 o'clock when I know she's going to be asleep. And then ratchet it back up to, you know, 115, 130, 160, 180. And then when she wakes up, it's I usually have it around 200 or so. So um, and I found that to be helpful and to help loop kind of semi-automate. And for some people, automate those nighttime rises. But it's really not a basal change as much as we're programmed to think, oh, that's a rise. I need to give more basal. Um, if you use increased basal there instead of sensitivity, you may find negative IOB and falling kind of at 3 or 4 or 5 a.m. Um, instead of just making loop more aggressive. Because that sensitivity is really only comes into play when you're out of range, too. That's kind of the cool part about sensitivity is if you're in your range at, you know, 9 o'clock at night and she's asleep, then great, loop doesn't do anything. So if I made the ISF too strong, it's not a big deal. She's in range. But as soon as she's out of range, then loop kicks in, you know, puts the pedal to the metal a little bit more. And it's, um, and it could be faster. Spot, yeah. yeah, it could it could be, but it, oftentimes it's not um, during those first hours. So it, it's it's as you mentioned, like how much insulin does it take to knock you over? So it's but I think it varies throughout the night more than the day. But um, that's kind of how I approach sensitivity. You know, it's interesting that just because your child's younger and growing, you're having the exact opposite experience night to day than we are. Yeah, like when, yeah, a when, little bit. Yeah, when Arden's asleep, she just doesn't need. She needs less sensitivity, not by a lot, by the way. Like, listen to what you're doing. You're going from, like, you know, in the hundreds to into double digits, and, and you're bouncing around. We're really only moving between, like, you know, 59 and 65. Like, it's not – it's a it's a pretty – Yeah, not big tight, numbers. It's a tight tolerance. But How many basal rates do you have, though, during the day? Just one. Just one? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah one during the day, one at night. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, if someone's not really going through a growth period, I've, I've seen it with me too. So I wore a sensor for a few weeks and I sort of like helped prove this theory out by, you know, all for the case of science, having a lot of ice cream right before I went to bed. And, um, I could see my blood sugar, uh, rise and sort of stay up and kind of in waves, like kind of matching my sleep cycles, yeah. um, kind of stay up a little bit longer and take longer to come back down than if I didn't eat something right before I went to sleep. So I was able to sort of mimic the same process as my daughter, but on a less extreme scale, one, cause I'm not type one and two, um, I'm not growing. Like you said, the volume of growth hormone in my body is probably much less than someone who's actually growing. Okay. So the sensitivity will be different. We're growing, just not in the same way. So. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you're having ice cream at, you know, eating like a whole bunch of ice cream at 10 o'clock at night, that's, yeah, we're definitely growing. That's that's not to be questioned, I guess. I, I'm pretty certain that I'll be wearing a Dexcom Pro uh, in a little while. So that I can... Well, then you should, for science, eat something really yummy before bed and mm -hmm. see how that happens. I will be. Yeah, I'm going to be wearing it. To, the same thing. Like I just, I was talking to Rick Doubleday the other day, and I said to him when we got done, I was like, I'd love to wear a sensor for a while if I could, um, you know, to really understand, you know, better what I'm looking at. And so I think. Yeah, what's fun is I did this, and you should eat something similar to what Arden does when she eats it, yeah. and you'll see the absorption time play out in both of you. Yeah. It'll look a little different, but you'll see the food stop at kind of the same time. That's exactly the stuff I'm excited to look at. It's so, amazing. Okay. Yeah. We ate a, you know, again, for science, ate a 
breakfast sandwich from McDonald's and it lasted a long time. One of those chicken ones. And, uh, it had, you could see kind of the initial carbs and you can kind of see the sustained fat and protein in both of us. Um, and actually in one of those cases where we tried it, her blood sugar ended up way better than mine on average. <laughs> so, um, but well, it's fun. I do think there's uh, many times where I'm doing a better job for Arden than my body's doing for me. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so interesting enough for Arden, by the way, is um, her sensor went to 75, and then uh, the next adjustment was only to 79. But oh. it did just bolus 1.15 units a little while ago. Then the 79 jumped to 94 diagonal up. Nice. So, so you're above suspend, and it's like, hey, I know you need more for the carb ratio, yeah. so it gave it to you. And it popped nice. right on. Like, so I'm going to see. If I can raise her with a text, if I can't, I'm not going to bother her. But if she answers this text, I'm going to Just take the her. recommended bolus yeah, is all you're going to ask her to do. I'm going to ask her if there's any insulin that's being recommended right now. Um, and you can actually, you can try it. Hover over the loop pill with your mouse, and you can see at the very end of that little hover box that pops up, it'll tell you if there's a recommended bolus. Well, so the little loop thing I have right now says, well, see, I don't even understand this. The loop has... Put a your mouse over that box, and you should see another box pop up. I only have it on my phone. Can I do it with my phone? Okay, yeah, then tap this tap on the loop pill, and you should... If you need to, you can refresh that page if it doesn't pop up right away. But if you tap on the thing that has the loop with the number and the squiggly line, you should get a little hover box to pop up. Yeah, that isn't happening. Kind of... I don't know. That's why I said you have somebody to refresh hold it. On, hold on. My finger's too fat. Oh, that can happen too. A lot of pills there crammed together. Yeah. Little boxes. It just says loop, device loop. You should see something like on the hover, it'll tell you how long ago the temp basal that it's currently running, insulin on board, carbs on board, predicted minimum and maximum. Right, um, Let me go over to my iPad and let me see if I can make that work. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not happening. So yeah, I'll see. I'll bring it up on your computer and you can look at it. It's easier. I'll but. have to figure out how to do it there. Oh, God, I don't even yeah. remember. I don't even remember how to bring it up on my computer. I'm you don't remember her site? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, wait, isn't it at the... Wait, here it is. HerokuApp.com. Yeah, hold, hold, hold on a second. Uh, I'm typing, which is always the best thing to do on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, people love it. People, it's... Really, they're huge fans. Oh, oh, here she is. She said what? Okay, so I'm going to ask her, is the loop recommending any insulin? One point eight. Do it. There you go. There we go. Now that takes all of it, and so the auto bolus would just give forty percent of that, right? Which over, you, and then you, again, which it would likely yeah. do again the next time the CGM turned over. Correct. Right? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, there you go. So it went. In. So listen, I you know we're not going to be recording when this is all said and done. I'll I'll remember what happened. I'll I'll tuck it in at the end. But look at what happened. Like Arden's a uh, Arden's blood sugar has been right around eighty. All morning, five or six hours that she's been awake. She went to lunch or she went to gym. Her blood sugar went to 60. She just ate a bagel, grapes, pizzelles, a chocolate chip cookie, popcorn, uh, and a uh, uh, what did I say? Tangerine, something like that. Yeah, Clementine. Clementine, yeah. right? 
And she ate that stuff. It's 12.55 right now here. And that conversation began back here. Like noon. Yeah, two minutes after 12. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's almost an hour later. And we have gracefully gone from 60 to 95. And even if she makes it to 150, which I don't think she's going to, normally she wouldn't be coming out of a low. We would have pre-bullished sooner, and this wouldn't be happening like this even. But this is astonishing for the situation, you know? But if you don't understand how this thing works, none of that's going to matter. Like it's, Yeah, for it's, sure. It's damn near impossible. Uh, and so... But I also think that for those of you who aren't considering any kind of a closed loop system, whether it be loop or tandem or horizon when Omnipod puts it out or, you know, whatever else, understanding what Kenny and I are talking about here today will help you make better insulin decisions, even without an algorithm, I think, because just watching, and you heard Kenny allude to it earlier, just staring for a little bit and watching what happens is such a, a teaching thing. And when I watch loop, take basil away, give basil back, make a small bump with now with the, the automatic bolus or before the automatic bolus when it would kind of ratchet up the, the basil. It was fascinating to watch Loop take basil from like 2.5 and make it 7, but only for like 8 minutes and then bring it back again. And like I was like, oh my gosh, like this is really, I'm learning a lot from watching that, you know? Yeah, and like I said, we had slightly better numbers in terms of standard deviation and A1C and time and range. Yeah. Um, when we were on shots because of the same principles that once I figured out how to apply it to loop, um, yeah, it'll, it'll just make your life easier. Being able to track insulin on board is really kind of magical in terms of figuring out your basal rate and just knowing when, when the drop stops, you just got to know and how much to correct for and, and all that. It, it's just, it's really empowering when most people are just kind of, again, being dynamic about how you talk about in with juice box, but like at the same time, if you kind of know when it's going to stop, you can, be aggressive and, and be more aggressive because you know how much insulin's working. And if you overdid it, you know how much to correct for. Um, a lot more precision in that I, approach. I think that loop is going to represent, you know, I, I shouldn't even say loop. I think that algorithms in general, uh, but for everybody, but for us specifically, I think it's going to represent a mid fives A1C just based I on think so. what I've seen and what I know. So. Yeah, I just keep, I tell people like if they're in the sevens now, like if you can just get the settings right and moderately pre bolus, then and don't and learn not to overcorrect, you'll get sixes pretty easily. It shouldn't be that that complicated, and that's what I'm seeing with some of these people. Once we figure out, especially like people that have their kids and they get really stressed at school and just need a lot more insulin, these overrides work super well for that. Um, and then and then they end up having you know like I, there's one person I'm working with now that was in kind of the seven range and is now looking, trending toward kind of a 6.2, you know, and, and they just have, even before that, before their stats changed, just by making some of the changes I talked about, right. they just have more, it's more predictable. And now it's not as crazy, you know, at least when they're high, I kind of know why it happened. So, um, so last that's thing, pretty great. It's amazing. The last thing I want to bother you about is, um, overrides. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know that I think about them correctly. So let me just tell you how I think about them and you correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. I, I know I don't understand exactly what they do, but when I set an override for Arden, whether it's a decrease, like, you know, uh, instead of at a hundred percent of, you know, settings, I go to 80% of settings or 50%. That's a decrease in insulin power or mm -hmm. vice versa. If you go to 120, it's a 20% increase, like that kind of a thing. 
Is it just an across the board increase? Is it literally like the correction range stays the same, the suspend threshold stays the same, but this is an increase of basal rate, insulin sensitivity, is that and carb ratio? And carb ratio is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the kind of the tricky thing about using them is that once you turn one on, any like entries, like carb entries in that time, um, have that change applied to them. So if you used a too strong of one and entered carbs or a low one, some people get a little too extreme and they go, oh, they're falling. So I turn an override on, which is not the time you turn an override on, but they'll do like a 20% or something really small and then enter like lunch. <laughs> well, then it thinks that lunch needs 20% less. of the insulin, your carb ratio, like 80% less than what you'd need. And so and there's no way to really go back and fix that. Um, so you, you'd have to basically know that that happened and add 80% more carbs to that carb entry to get something equivalent. Um, that's the tricky part, but yeah, an override changes everything, which is good and bad. I think there's a lot of cases where you'd only want to change one or two things, but, um, because basal and insulin on board, that basal calculation is so important. Um, I try to tell people that the override is, should only be used in cases when, basal actually changed. Um, otherwise, you end up throwing off the math. If you use like, if you're stuck high and you're frustrated and you use a 200% override, 100% more than normal, you're doubling everything. Well, later on, you're probably going to end up, Loop's going to think you're going to land and you're not because you actually have more insulin in your body than you told it. Because all of a sudden you told that your basal rate doubled. Yeah, and right. so, yeah, you end up with a problem where Loop would have landed you if the math had been right. But it won't because you lied to it for a little while. So the only time I, I really use hard. it, the only time I really use it is sleeping in. So like I said, okay. Arden's like 1.4 overnight. She's 2.5 during the day. That 2.5 kicks in at 7 a.m. So usually she's drifting. I have Arden pretty consistently drifting to 70 when she wakes up in the morning for school at seven. So if I set an override at 6 a.m., I set it about 50. So about 50% of power, this, that's enough to get in front of the drift so she doesn't drift to 70. And so that when 7 a.m. comes and the insulin sensitivity goes from 64 to 59, and more importantly, I think in that situation, the basal, the basal. jump up, it keeps the basal back at overnight. And it, yeah, 50% is about what your nighttime is compared to your daytime. Right. And that's, and that's how I do it. Now, the longer she sleeps, the less she needs. So if she's just going to sleep till nine o'clock, that works. But if at nine o'clock she's still sleeping, it maybe has to go to 40 or 30. Like you really, because at that point, really consider what's happening. She has not had food and she's not having any like body impacts on her blood sugar now for sometimes eight, nine, 10, a dozen hours, like in a really sleeping in situation. Mm -hmm. So you keep taking it away and taking it away. The key is that when you wake up, it's got to go right back on. And when you bolus, like you said before, it's not just for the carbs it's not it's and it's not you need a pre-bolus still and you're not just pre-bolusing for the carbs you are you also have to replace all that deficit that comes behind because basically it's a paper tiger at that point right yeah like, like any food you take in is just going to overwhelm you because there's just no insulin happening in your body that was just enough insulin to basically keep a you know like like a you know, a, a corpse from blood sugar going low. Cause she's just, she's not a living person right then. Nothing's happening inside of her in this scenario. And Does Arden have a drop in the morning before she wakes up no. and then like a rise after she wakes up no, typically? I, no, not at all. Okay. That's my, good. My, my I set, do see that sometimes. My settings take care of all of that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, 
it used to be before loop, she'd wake up in the morning at seven um, when her basil went up. We'd bolus in the morning. We'd bolus the rise. Like our, she does have that rise. Yeah, yeah she yeah. has it, but we don't see it any longer. It doesn't actually happen because we're basically constantly, like I said, you know, we've been talking for a while. Like I said a long time ago, because I'm thinking about now as before, not now for later. And, you yeah, know, yeah. You know, um, so I'm I'm ahead of that. I pre-bolus spikes. I pre-bolus rises. You've heard me talk about, you know, like extended boluses. People talk mm -hmm. about extended boluses one way. The way I talk about them is pre-bolusing the food and then pre-bolusing the spike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah just always – it's a time travel movie. You know what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> you're, just, you're just always betting, you know – on the right team to win because you've got the almanac and you know who's going to win. So yeah. So when I use overrides, it's really like basal changes. So I, what what's kind of fun with overrides is if you have if your basal's dialed in, like I said, using the IOB math, and typically people have the same basal overnight as during the day, but not always. If it's good, then what should happen with overrides that a lot of people don't experience when their settings, especially basal, is not right, um, is this doesn't work, but if you, you can look overnight and my daughter typically runs around 80 to 90, um, overnight. And if for some reason she's not, if she's hovering around a hundred or 115, um, with some positive insulin on board, that means that her, her insulin needs have shifted maybe just for the day, maybe cause she's sick. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I'll just run an override of about 10, 20, 30% increase. So 120 or something like that. Right. And then I'll run it and, and I'll leave it on for breakfast. And breakfast is sort of like the make or break. Like, was this for reals or is this just temporary? And if she doesn't go low from an increased override at breakfast, then I run that override all day long until I see her, until I see that negative IOB and blood sugar falling sort of situation again, mm -hmm. where things sort of settle back at, uh, over. So I just roll over out of bed, look at Night Scout, see where she was at. If I get woken up with a 120 or 130 alarm overnight, um, and Luke can't keep her under that number, then I know her insulin needs have gone up a significant amount. Like she's probably sick. So she probably needs like a 130 or a 140 or more. To, and then I just run that all day long, again, checking it with breakfast. Um, and and that's how we kind of get mostly normal days. Like I get ahead of it. I see the increase happen overnight. That shift sort of happens in that 2 to 4 a.m. time frame most of the time. And I just put an override on to compensate because her basal needs went up, but I don't think it's going to stick around for the next few weeks. And it usually only lasts a day or two, sometimes a week if she's actually sick. Yeah. But I always use that overnight as a measure to say how much more or less does she need um, and use an override. And I don't really mess with my base settings often because they usually work. Occasionally, if you get up to like 150% override because she's sick, sometimes the carb ratio has to be weakened a little bit because it doesn't scale up quite perfectly but i'd say 90 90 plus percent of the time it's just a 10 20 30 percent override for the day and then the day looks normal again and then i watch the numbers overnight and wait for it to shift again and then i cancel it and then we go back to normal settings and it's it's really kind of magical to be able to see the patterns once you get some consistency you can see those patterns coming and get ahead of them yeah well listen i i can't tell you how thrilled i am that you found the podcast and and reached out to me because I think that I listen, I edit these shows, obviously, and then I listen to them for sound. So I end up hearing them two or three times, but I'm going to listen to this one a dozen times because this was a, a terrific conversation. I just, I can't thank you enough. And can I, can I task you? Right? Sure. Start thinking about how we could take 
a person who knows nothing about any of this, how do you explain this to them? Like, that's the thing that's next, right? Because you and I are involved, you know, and everyone listening, you know, is involved with their kids, hopefully, but everyone wants to not be, and they don't want to burden their children with teaching them all of this. Like, is is an algorithm-based insulin pump ever going to be, um, you know, I guess skinned in an app where you don't need to understand what's happening behind the pretty picture in the front? Like, I, do you I think hope so. That, yeah, yeah, right? And, <laughs> I think the hard part right now is the settings have to be, like, that's why I think Control IQ seems to be working so well compared to, like, a Medtronic where it's trying to figure out your settings, but then Control IQ just trusts your settings. Right. So you have to, if you can get it close, then you'll get good results, just like Loop. If you can get it close, you'll get safe and good results. But I think the real trick will be how can, could that Medtronic idea of just figuring it out for you ever work? I'd, I'd love it. I'd love for that to be true. No kidding. All right, so Kenny, I'm going to ask you to hold on for one second. I'm going to thank you first, and sure. um, and I'm going to ask you because I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not going to let anybody hear the answer to. I just like to screw with them at the end <laughs> of the episodes. So, <laughs> all right, guys, um, Kenny's done, but I'm not done with Kenny. I think it's pretty fair to say that Kenny will be back on the podcast at some point. Kenny could be Jenny Loopy, Loopy Jenny. Kenny could be Loopy Jenny. Kenny Jenny. Kenny Loopy Jenny, Jenny Loopy Kenny, Kenny Jenny. I'll work on it, let you know. Huge thank you to Dexcom, the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter, and Touched by Type 1. Please go to touchedbytype1.org, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or contournextone.com to find out more about the sponsors. Continued gratitude to the community that has put so much time and effort into the DIY loop. Talk to you again soon.